together, build a step and lift me up, climbing higher than we'd ever go alone. We'll get farther when the good times turn to bad, only positive directions from now on. Hey everyone, I'm Jared Allman. And I'm David Spinner. And we're two dads talking about family life, personal growth, and organizational culture, all through the lens of moving in a positive direction. As we move through, we are so excited for our guest this week, uh, Dr. Jennifer Todd. But before we get to her, it is that time. It is shout outs time. shouting out to you this week yeah man absolutely so one my number one shout out for for the week has to go to um sophie johanan it's someone that i met through uh clubhouse she is super brilliant she actually gave me some some really good advice i've had numerous conversations with her and i knew after i had these conversations with her she was going to be my number one shout out on this week's episode. Uh, and I'm probably gonna steal your thunder on this, David, but my second shout out has to go to all the amazing listeners. So just looking at some of the analytics from our show, it's, it's really, really cool. Listeners here in the US, listeners up in Canada where you live, um, David, listeners in Germany, listeners in Puerto Rico. We gave a shout out to the awesome listeners down in Australia last week. And I'm super excited to see we have listeners in India so next week, hopefully, we'll have some lis listeners in Africa and looking to move into the Arctic as well. And then, boom, we're global, baby. And those are, yeah. my, those are my two shout outs. David, who do you have listed to shout out this week? Uh, for me, well, yeah, certainly I was going to uh, shout out those <laughs> fine folks around the globe who are listening. 125 plays. What a great accomplishment. So we share that shout out. Absolutely. Um, you know, without a question there. Uh, I'm also shouting out to my Dave Matthews Band family because they were, uh, you know, posting and sharing music uh, that I got to enjoy through New York City uh, when they played their last two shows of the tour this, this past weekend, and I was supposed to be there. Uh, of course, it didn't work out um, due to various reasons, but that's awesome. I got to experience it in different ways uh, via the beauty of the Internet. And that's, that's my shout outs for this. It's a big group of people, including those. So that's where I'm going to stop my shout outs for this week. I will add actually one more now that I'm thinking about it. And that's going to be to the Wake Up and Win family on Clubhouse. That's uh, Lisa Nichols and Rita Goodrow. Um, I always enjoy going into the room. And, you know, sometimes I miss the rooms because I'm, I'm not able to access it at the 7.05 time. They've now moved it to 8.05. So I'll be able to go there regularly. So shout out to them. They're a really great part of my clubhouse family i'm always generating great conversation and ideas to drive me in my business yeah i love that man that last shout out you gave is so awesome and, and it's timely too right community and tribe is something that we always really talk about especially when we talk about our clubhouse connections and that is a nice kind of segue into our guest for today's show um so Dr. Jennifer Todd is a connection of, of mine on Clubhouse that I met, and I had a brief conversation with her 
I loved what her message is, loved what her passion is. And I thought, man, more people need to understand um, and, and hear her message. And so when I reached out to David, Dave was like, if you're this excited about it, let's go ahead and chat with her and make it happen. So without any further ado, I want to introduce um, Positive Directions to uh, Dr. Jennifer Todd. Please introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I am a doctor of public health, and I have specialized in the health of women and children. Um, and I've spent time working in the federal government and nonprofits. And I am, uh, for about the last 15 years, I've been teaching at university. Um, and I am uh, most lately uh, really impassioned by the issue of ageism and particularly ageism and underemployment. Excellent, and we look forward to getting to that conversation. But one of our questions we always ask our guests, what does the term positive directions mean to you? Great question. So um, I think that um, when I think about positive directions, that you are, um, that it's a sense of being um, uh, satisfied with the direction that you are, and I, sorry to use the word direction and <laughs> the explanation of direction, but in the path, so you are satisfied and feel at peace with the path that you are taking. Um, and yeah, there will be things that will happen that will be painful, that will be um, difficult. Um, no one has a path without stumbling. But um, if you are still in a place of feeling um, confident and, and um, at peace with the decisions that you've made about the direction that your life is, that's what I think of when I think of positive direction. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. So one of, one of the things that really um, struck me when you and I had our conversation was you, your your passion for awareness, bringing awareness for, um, for ageism and underemployment. Could you share a little bit about your passion and what you're doing in that space? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I sort of um, fell into this accidentally because um, it's been my path um, and I have just sort of collected this this tribe of mostly women um, who are walking a similar path. Um, it's, you know, when you think of ageism, at least I used to, and when I read articles, um, they seem to be geared towards thinking about um, people when, in their 70s and 80s who are retired and um, you know, want to go back to or need to go back to work because fixed income isn't they can't they can't meet their their bills or you know they they want a, a part time job just to keep busy. But um, ageism actually starts much younger than you know when you're a senior senior citizen. Um, I have spoken with women in their 30s who have been. Um, 
who have experienced ageism. Um, so I have, you know, this, this tribe of women, especially um, Gen X women, and, and I don't like to use these big terminology, but, you know, women in their 40s, 50s, 60s, who are accomplished professionals who um, have, you know, left their jobs, been displaced from their jobs, or are looking for a new job and just unable to find um, employment because of um, really generalizations about older workers. So I have a, I want to follow up question on that one. Uh, because so actually, I really liked what you, you know, or I was actually not, I was shocked in terms of what you said in terms of women in their 30s experiencing ageism. I, I want to know more. What does that look like? And how does it change over the years from the 30s to the 40s? What, what does ageism look like? Or is it the same? Is it the same, just different age categories? Yeah, no, it's a good question. And it really differs by industry. I know when I say 30s, there are going to be people listening that are like, paha, come on. And, and secondly, how do you know? Are you just getting passed over and you assume um, you need a scapegoat because you didn't get the job? Um, <clears throat> so there are, there's some code language. And again, this is um, a particular, it, it's younger in particular industries like tech, um, big tech in particular. They um, are m much less interested in workers once they each reach their their 30s late 30s 40 you're out of the game um and uh also uh performing arts to some extent you know they're they're interested in in um actors actors performers when they're younger now that's a generalization of obviously there are plenty of people who go through life and um or don't experience this um but there are um, sort of some telltale signs that if you're kind of in the market long enough and you have um, interviewed enough, you start to pick up on, you know, oh, wow, really in, like your, you know, you seem like a, a great person and you've got a very um, uh, impressive resume or CV, but you're just overqualified. Um, yeah. You hear that a lot. <clears throat> um, yeah. Yes. And, and you know, it's it's kind of a code that to me that's a code word. Also, people hear you know, but we're we're concerned we use this this software and you haven't used that before, and we're just concerned that you might not be able to get up to speed on that thanks for applying. We'll keep you in our database. Um, and I have actually been specifically told um, we have a really young workforce and we just don't think that you would fit in here. Um, wow. And wow. I'm, I'm, this isn't particular to me. It's, um, it's happened to, you know, people in my, my quote unquote tribe. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of, we're in a time of a lot of structural economic change and also demographic change. Um, you know, the, so I'm a Gen Xer. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if I think about 
you know, women who are in the workforce who are older than me, you know, boomers, again, I, I don't like these big buckets, but it's, it's an easy generalization. I'm going to reach for the easiest. Yeah. For sure. um, there were a lot fewer boomers, women who were boomers in the workforce, um, women in general and, and people of color and women of color. Um, you know, it was much more likely to find a stay-at-home mom who was in the baby boomer generation. Um, not that there's anything wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. I would be one, but, you know, there's bills. Um, <laughs> Definitely that, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home dad either. Um, so there are, there are a lot more Gen X women in the workforce. As a matter of fact, there are more Gen X women in the workforce than men. So there are these, there's, we're in a time of this really a lot of our systemic um, economic factors and demographic factors are changing. And because we have this bolus of older women really hitting the glass ceiling um, that, that might sound like a blunt instrument to explain it that way, but um, you know, advancing uh, professionally and then hitting a spot that, you know, the, the structure does not support advancement beyond that with some exceptions. But if you look at the, the data on the number of CEOs, the number of people that sit on corporate boards, they're men, they're white men, right? So there are exceptions but women who have been in the workforce just as long as those men and those white men are not making it to those positions. So um, that, that means that, you know, that there have been decisions that have been made to give, to, to give positions to men as opposed to giving them to women. I'm not saying that, that that was, you know, purposeful that somebody decided, you know what, we don't want a, a woman CEO, but there are, you know, um, men tend to reach back for, for men. Um, and that's great that I, I love that, but we don't have women in those higher positions to reach back to help women because there just aren't women in those CEO positions, you know, to, um, in a representative number, if that makes sense. I'm throwing a whole lot at you. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and it's funny because like, I, I, I'm so proud in terms of my business school because uh, here in Montreal where I did my MBA, the, the dean is a, is a woman who's incredible. She's amazing. She was my teacher before then. She became the dean after I left, and it's, it's amazing. And I think she's doing a lot to advance women's position within the university, which is, which is great. Um, but uh, so as a follow-up, though, so what are you going to say? What can you say to women who are struggling to find their place, who are looking to seek jobs in, um, you know, whether it's new jobs or they're looking to advance their careers to reach that C-suite or somewhere in the executive or even management. What, what do you say to them to keep them motivated? Um, 
<clears throat> it's really hard um, because a, a lot of these women um, have been, <clears throat> pardon, have are, are very accomplished women, more accomplished, you know, much more accomplished than, than I am and um, have, are, yeah, or are bumping up against um, the feeling of being unemployable, sorry, not employable anymore. Um, so facing this um, sort of existential feeling, I may never get a nine to five job again. Um, and I have felt that myself and I deal with that still. Uh, so one of the things, and this is difficult with um, older women, and I'm an older woman, and I am happy with, I, I'm happy to say that I'm almost 52 years old, and there's nothing wrong with being 52. There's nothing wrong with being 62. Um, I try to say that as much as possible because this is part of ageism, like mm -hmm. stay young and youthful and hide those wrinkles. And um, yeah, I somebody in in a clubhouse room actually said that if you um if you dye your hair if you have gray hair and you dye it then you're lying if you go to an um an interview um then you're lying to the person that's interviewing you what, what anyway um that that sort of triggered me but Interesting. um so um what you know one of the things is just to encourage women to to out of necessity um, to think outside the traditional nine to five box. Um, so what, what do you have to say? What are you excited about? What can you add um, aside from putting in an application, you know, that goes through the ATS system and then off into the ether and never to be he heard from again. Um, and it's honestly, it can be very difficult for older women not because of technology. We know technology. Um, we can learn new technology, believe it or not. But just because this is this is sort of a you know this explosion in entrepreneurialism um, is rather a new phenomenon, um, and some people are more agile in adopting that mindset that you know I can go out and I I can make this happen. I am really good at you know, whatever it is, I, you know, I, I knit every second of the day and I don't make, mean to make this generalization about women, but I'm just, that was just the first thing that popped in my head that I, I just make blankets or I make teddy bears all day long. And you know what, I could set up a little business and if, if not a, um, a job, this could be a side hustle that could just give me some income while I'm looking. Um, and a lot of older women are, um, just not in the mindset that that is in their realm of, it's not, that isn't their skill set. Um, and it's, it's going on a, out on a ledge kind of, it's, it's a scary thing. And it is because we all know the statistics that a lot of these entrepreneurial endeavors fail. I have had several fail. Um, so you don't always make it on the first try. And, you know, some of them have tried and it didn't work. And they they also don't have the savings. And, it, you know, to launch, you have to have a nice, a little pot of savings to put into 
designing that sexy website and getting on, on, um, you know, getting your, your word out. Um, so that and uh, honestly trepidation around engaging significantly in social media and you, you know if you are an entrepreneur you know that engaging in entre in sorry in social media in a way that advances your business is a lot different than posting pictures of your family on facebook and so you might be familiar with Facebook and Instagram, maybe even TikTok, but you don't know how to make that a business account. And those are very different things. Um, yeah. And so they may, you know, post, hey, friends, I'm doing this. So, you know, I, as you may know, I'm out of a job and I'm trying to, to you know, because I, I always encourage start, you know, let everyone let all of your network know what you're doing because that's you know that's closest to home it's the safest and they may do that on their you know their personal facebook account but making that next step to set up like a business facebook account or a linkedin you know they they may have knockout linkedin pages but a business linkedin page is different not that you have to have a, a business linkedin page but engaging in linkedin around your business or your business persona is different mm -hmm. than, you know, congratulations on that promotion. Happy Absolutely. birthday to my friend, blah, you know. Um, so that those are some things that I've noticed. Yeah, I, I love I love what you mentioned there for 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 helping these women out. So let's shift gears a bit and let's let's imagine that you're a people leader of an organization. Right. So how would you provide awareness around ageism throughout your organization to help combat it from the organization's perspective? So important. And thank you for that question, because um, I I am 100 percent in on diversity, equity and inclusion. You know, I've I've got my little magic certificate in DEI, but unfortunately, a lot of times age, there are a lot of really important isms in DEI that we, we need to address. Um, ageism is frequently not considered one of those isms. And um, as someone smarter than me once said, um, we should all be con concerned about ism because this is the one that we all have in common. I mean, we should, let me just back up, we should be concerned with all isms. There's none of, none of them are good. None of them, you know, we should, we should raise awareness around all of them. But ageism, we will all age and we will all be subject to assumptions about who we are and what we can do based on our age. Um, so, uh, raising awareness that, you know, it's fine to have, uh, sorry, um, it's good to have an intergenerational workforce. So hire people, give people a chance, interview people that are in their 50s and 60s. And you know what, if they don't know this, this um, in, uh, software package that's sort of niche and unique to your business, give them a chance to learn it. 
um, have intergenerational teamwork. Don't, you know, assign all, put, you know, all the 20 somethings together in a project and send them off to work, you know, be purposeful and in being inclusive, you know, across people's genders and, and ages and races and how they identify themselves. Just be, in, be mindful and inclusive in um, how you make up these teams. And one thing um, that, that, you know, when I'm supervising or mentoring students or um, whatever, whatever the case is, I always encourage, you know, my, my subordinates or my, my students, if you're, if you're in an internship, if you're in a new job, um, or if you're working for me, go to every single dang meeting you can. Um, and if you aren't invited, get invited. Um, and if they tell you to sit in the back row, that's absolutely fine. Because you find out about how organizations run by what goes on in meetings. Um, and it's so telling, um, you know, taking notes about who, who's making eye, can't, eye contact with who and who's allowed to speak, who speaks freely without being called on. How does, you know, these are very telling things about an organization. And if you are responsible for an organization and you're running a meeting, be mindful about who has the opportunity to speak, who gets cut off. Um, if somebody doesn't speak up and add their, their um, you know, consistently meeting after meeting is quiet and sits back, you know, in a friendly manner, try to pull them in and engage them. Don't put them on the spot, you know, like, what do you think, Joe or Josephine or whatever? Um, but, you know, try to get those who it might be difficult for them to speak up engaged in the in discussion right because yeah yeah absolutely i i love i love i love that so much because when you when you talk about uh the diversity component leading to inclusion oftentimes people don't understand the magnitude of diversity and thought and how it can lead to an inclusive work environment. So I love that mm -hmm. so much that, that you connected those dots, Dr. Jennifer, that makes me so happy because I am in full alignment with that, um, with, with, with that strategy, a thousand percent, right, David? Make that two of us. Yeah. I mean, we talk about it often in, in clubhouse rooms or just amongst us, right? How the inclusion is so key and the diversity of thought and and like you said it and, and it was going to be a follow-up question but you answered it anyways it was exactly that is we don't think of age when we think inclusion often like that's that's often not the first thing that comes to mind we think of race we think of maybe abilities uh, gender orientation comes in all those things come in first and then age you know and and it shouldn't be that way right they should all be thought of on that same level playing field as part of the inclusivity in an organization. So fantastic. That's, that's great. I love that answer. And there are, um, there are sectors that have been better at this again, and university actually is one of them, um, specific universities that have made a real commitment to intergenerational learning. So they um, are very purposeful, not just in 
opening classrooms to, you know, um, alumni who are retirees or just community members who are retirees. But they're also, and just recently, there have been some universities that are building new dorms that are co-located next to retirement homes or villages um, and trying, encouraging engagement um, between the generations, you know, having uh, college age or people in college living in college housing um, engage with with uh, seniors or, or people living in the entire retirement um, space, uh, working together, mentoring back and forth, right? Um, and, you know, we should more, we should think more of each other as, as you know, a source, a, a resource, a source of information and learning both ways, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, students in college at whatever at whatever age they are can maybe help seniors learn about technology yeah. and that's one of my my sort of sticky wickets i hate the the generalization that um that elder elderly don't know how to work computers and you know it's true a lot of them don't and it's and you know i i this is where i bring up you know age-friendly coding could be a thing it could we, you know, we Absolutely. could make it easier. Absolutely. <clears throat> it does, you know, you don't necessarily have to know HTML, <clears throat> pardon, um, to be able to make your way around um, things easier. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry. <laughs> Oh, not a problem. But absolutely, I, I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, we, we often think, okay, well, they didn't grow up around computers, so they don't know how to use computers. Well, right. You know, I'm pretty sure my kids think that about me, even though I didn't <laughs> exactly. grow up with a computer. I was using a computer in elementary school, but I'm pretty sure my kids look at me going, oh, you can't yep. do a TikTok. Yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. And even if they, you know, it's true, they, you know, our kids are digital natives, and they do have a, a level of comfort with with technology mm -hmm. that we might not have, but that doesn't mean that we cannot learn it. I mean, I've learned second languages and I, you know, yeah, I'm not as fluent. I, even though I've learned German and French, I struggle with it when I try to speak more so than a native speaker, but it doesn't mean that I can't communicate. Yeah. I think organizations really could, could benefit from having someone that has little to no knowledge on technology because now you, it's it's like fresh ball of clay right where you can mold it and shape it and as that technology changes you can change shape with it you have that baseline knowledge um, a lot of times where the younger workforce will come in yeah 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 i got it yeah 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 i know it and that learning curve to be agile from that baseline of knowledge throughout progression of technology can be really, really challenging. Whereas I think if you bring somebody in that needs that baseline uh, knowledge to learn a specific software, I think in my experience, that's gonna be uh, more beneficial for the organization and for the employee because of uh, them being able to give back to the organization from a very entry level position. And then as they grow with the product or service, they can show value within the organization where I see the younger generation coming in being kind of, I know how to do this, I know what to do. And then there's a tweak in the code 
And then you have all these crazy mental health issues because people start freaking out saying, I, I put a zero here instead of putting a one there. And now it's the end of my career type thing. So um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think there's definitely a place for it. Um, I, I love, I love this conversation so much. I think we could definitely do um, a, a, a 2.0 of this conversation. Um, one thing that we like to do, um, Jennifer, at the end of our conversations with all of our guests is where, where can our listeners find and connect with you if they want to learn more about uh, ageism and, and how to combat it in the workforce? Um, well, I am uh, fluent in Instagram. <laughs> so they can find me on my Instagram account at dr.gent, J-E-N-N-T. <clears throat> Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. So before we let you go and we get into our final segment of our show, I have a question for you. We're going to wave our magic wand, right? And we're going to see five years into the future. What does the job marketplace look like for, for this population, this aging population that you work with? And, and, you know, like some words of positivity to send out to those that are in the workforce that are looking for those jobs down the road. Yeah. Uh, again, I appreciate that question. So something that I, I tell my students, I, as I mentioned, I teach at university a lot. Uh, <clears throat> pardon. Um, the, the job market in, in the very near future is going to look a lot different than the job market that we see today. Um, it's going to be a lot more gig, gig and hustle work than nine to five. Um, jobs. So um, I would say this, I say this to my students who they have already sort of digested that they know that their work life, their, 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 um, their work, work, not, not work life that brings up work, work life balance, but their work, their work future is not going to be, you know, going into um, a nine to five job where they have great benefits and a pension and they stay there until they retire. That doesn't exist anymore. And they get that. They know that. And they're already sort of starting to think about their, what their gigs are. So I would say to older um, people who are, are thinking about leaving a job that is toxic and unhealthy and they're, they're stagnant and not going anywhere and afraid to leave because oh man then I'm means I'm facing an unfriendly job market or somebody ha- who has been dislocated from their job and has experienced extended periods of unemployment to think about employment outside of this 9 to 5 box because it's going away it's 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 you know it's changing the the what employment looks like is changing for everybody. Um, so thinking about how to be agile and adaptive before, you know, you get, <clears throat> you get laid off when the goon squad shows up at your door and shows you <laughs> out and here's your box of mementos from your time here to think about what your skill is or what, when you get up in the morning what is it that would make you happy to face that day? What, and, and, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, I really love watching 
this show on TV. Like, what is it that you want to add? What is your why? And how might you start to think about developing that, developing that into um, a, a side hustle or some way to, to generate a little bit of income and test the waters with that. Don't wait until you, you are um, dislocated from your job. Um, just, you know, open an Etsy shop, open a Shopify, sell some things on Poshmark. Just see how you feel with that different way of earning money. Um, and then hopefully you will start to get in a rhythm that, you know, I can do this. I understand these platforms. I know what it takes. And you know what? I can sell myself. And if I can't, I know where I can get skills and where I can learn to do it. Excellent. Amazing. And I love that answer. Again, it's a, you know, we know that we are, we don't, we can't always see into the future. We can't predict the future, but we can have hopes and dreams and things that, and goals that we want to strive for in the future. And, and we as individuals who work in the space, who work with these people can do our best to make that, the positive experience for, for anybody. And, and in this case, you know, the women that are, you know, aging, but still have great skills that need to be out there that need to help these companies grow. So thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for your presence in our, on our show. Yeah, uh, thank you. Big episode nine. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I think this, this, this conversation warrants a kind of a revisit perhaps in, in season two, when we come back and drill down a little bit further in this, because this is something that I think, there needs to be huge awareness on. So anytime that, that David and I here at Positive Directions could bring excitement and awareness to something that's so powerful to so many people that we, so many people's lives, I think is worth um, coming back and drilling down on it again. So thank you, thank you, thank you. This is our, this, so, so Jennifer, a lot of listeners have told us that this segment is the segment that they're hanging on to in each of our episodes to hear the knowledge drop by my friend David. This is our segment called Parable. Yay! And this week's parable is a unique one. So I'm excited for this one. It's got a modern flavor to it and something we probably don't pick up on because it's pulled out of a movie. And it's pulled out of a children's movie. Mm. We all know the story of the original Toy Story film. You have two main characters. You got Woody, right? He's a cowboy, you know, which is, you know, old school Western thinking. He's in his prime time. You know, he's on top of the toy chest. It's, it's Andy's favorite, no question asked, right? Mm-hmm. And all the other toys look up to, to Woody as being the wise, you know, toy uh, his judgment throughout the film right then what happens buzz lightyear comes along younger flashier right it's got the lights it's got the noises right and all of a sudden the toys are switching they're looking at this fancy upstart toy you know and what happens when he gets a little angry maybe a little jealous uh he's definitely sad uh he's being dumped for for this flashy toy right and these if we look at this and we look at this story of Toy Story, this is what's happening in the workplace, right? The older toys, so to speak, you know, or the newer, we'll say like the older toys, the older generation are losing their jobs or losing their 
place as being the favorites to the newer, the flashier, the fancier. And so, you know, we lose some of that um, kind of self-esteem, you know, identity, our, our purpose from, from our profession kind of diminishes, you know, as we get older because of these newer, flashier toys. But it shouldn't, right? And I think what, what needs to happen is, and I think we talked about it during the, the show, and, and that's kind of the story here, is that you have to embrace the new. Uh, when you embrace the new, you're able to stay with the job market and, and take your skills that you have and make them relevant in the new place, in the new um, environment, the changing environment. Again, we talked about technology. We need, we've got to learn the technology because that's where the companies are going. It doesn't mean you can't learn the technology. And so that's, you know, the story. And, and, and like George Bernard Shaw said, right, one of great crows, we don't stop playing because we grow old, right? We grow old because we stop playing. And, you know, that's why I always like to, to, to stay young and, and play and be on top of, you know, what's new so that I'm aware and learn. And when we all have to learn. So it's a, a different type of parable this week. Uh, based in film and you're going to watch Toy Story uh, with your kids, Jared, and you may uh, look at it in a different way next time. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I love for, first of all, I love the fact that you, you made the, the tie to Toy Story. Cause that's one of my favorite um, series uh, to, to watch with my girls, but the, the idea of, of Woody representing the older workforce and buzz being the new, the new flashy, um, employee and then Andy being the organization well what happens Andy doesn't love Woody any less and stop playing with him throughout the story right so I I love that you drew that comparison that that those toys both those toys have a place in the organization or in 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 Andy's toy box right so I love that man I think that is that's really really cool yeah, thank you. And I like that. It, it's again, like you said, it's just a, a nice tie into our conversation with uh, Dr. Todd today. And so I think with that, as we wrap up our episode, uh, I want everybody to go out there and think about that and think about how you can continue to learn, continue to grow. I mean, relevance is across the board as, as individuals. We talk about inclusion. It's not just on one ism. As Dr. Todd said earlier, there are many isms and we have to factor those in. That is true inclusivity. And, and to keep, keep pushing yourself forward and to not be discouraged because the jobs are there for you and to go out there and continue to move in a positive direction.